Hello, everyone. I am Jessica Smith, and welcome back to the Game of Love podcast. Now, I am thrilled because today with me, I have the love biologist. She is a TEDx speaker and the author of Men Chase Women's Shoes. Don Masler is here. Don, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, gosh, I, I am a huge fan. I'm a huge fan, and I was at Barnes & Noble about a, two years ago, and I saw your book, and the title just jumped out at me. And when I read it, I was absolutely in love. So I've been in love with you for two years. <laughs> I have that effect. It's, you know, it's the chemistry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show. And I'm just so excited to share all of your wisdom and knowledge with the listeners because whew, the dating world, it's a little tough out there. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I'm curious, what prompted you or inspired you to write Men Chase Women's Shoes? It's actually my second book. Okay. So my first book was first titled The Broken Picker Fixer for women that were attracted to the wrong men. Ooh. <laughs> and I was one of those people. I was a biology professor and I was going after like the bad boy biker. Mm. So eventually um, I kind of worked my way through that and ended up meeting my fiance. And um, during that time period, I was still interested in love, but I was a biologist. So I was like, I want to look at this from a scientific standpoint. Because when I, when I first put that first book out, there was a lot of people do, I was doing like interviews and talks and people had these different ideas about love. And I'm like, there's got to be some science behind it. So I started delving into it. And what I realized is actually there is a bunch of neuroscience behind love. It doesn't make it as romantic and mysterious, but... <laughs> There's actual factual research-based uh, information on it. Which I love the research that you've shared throughout your books and your, your talks. It makes our real-life dating scenarios make sense. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that was, that was the main reason behind it. It was like most of the stuff out there before I started doing the research was people's opinions and what happened to them. And I was like, there's got to be, I want something concrete. I want to be able to point to what's happening. Why are you acting so crazy right now in your life? <laughs> why did you ghost me? Exactly. It's a, why, why am I in love with you? <laughs> why did you break that guy out of prison? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So Thank you, because you have helped so many people really feel real and feel normal. So thank you for doing that. Oh, you, thank you. Thank you for saying that. One of the things I also found is what I believe is that once you have information is knowledge, and, and once you understand what's happening, now you have control of which way you can go. You're not just at the whim of Mother Nature anymore. Oh, yes, yes. And I love that. And something I took away from your book was that I can really be aware of myself with your mm -hmm. knowledge. It's you are definitely the the bridge between neuroscience, neuroscience and reality. <laughs> so thank right. you. <laughs> right. Neuroscience and People magazine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, now with, with dating being so tumultuous and difficult as an observer, as a researcher, biologist, when you look at the dating world right now, what gets you like shaking your head? Like, Oh my gosh. Or, or what do you see that we are doing wrong? One of the things that I see mostly and it, it, the the problem i hate to say this because it takes the like the magical tinkling lights out of it but women need to really go in it with a strong head with an understanding mm. 
once they understand the science behind it, they're not just going to fall at the whim. So one of the things that I used to do is I would go with the, with the feeling, with that tingle. When I first walk into a room and I get the tingle and I'm like, oh, yes. that guy, I've been waiting my entire life for him. And I make a beeline. Next thing we know, we jump into bed. And three weeks later, I'm like, you know, either I'm screaming at his back door trying to get back in or I'm like trying to drive away as fast as I can. You know, it's like one of those two scenarios. And I'm like wondering why I keep repeating this pattern. And I had to stop. I, at step one, I had to go back to step one and go, all right, what was I doing here? This, is this love? No, that's lust. Mm, very <laughs> like, similar word. <laughs> exactly. Could exactly. it turn into love? Possibly. However, it's mother nature's way of like derailing my brain mm. in order for her to pre-procreate. Right. So that's her main goal, right? So she's like, you know, anything to get you flat on your back as quick as possible, we're going for it. We're going for it. <laughs> but that doesn't, that doesn't find me love. What love is what I really want. That's my higher, my higher desire. So when I stopped, when I reeled it back and realized that that instant response was not love at all, it was just the beginning of a possible maybe love but it needs to investigate. And then usually when I, once I talk to the person, I realized that that, that, that uh, person was probably not the right person for me. Right, yeah. And, um, and then I took it slower. And I okay. took it slower. Then I realized the difference between what made me fall in love and what him, made him fall in love. Ooh, I love so that. I did, a, I did a TED Talk on this. And I would love for you to share this with the listeners because it is so powerful. So powerful. <laughs> okay. Well, the gist of the TED Talk is that you know, it was, it's based on what my grandmother used to tell me. My grandmother used to say, slow down. You got to choose. You don't, if you want a man to fall in love with you, don't sleep with them right away. I, and she heard, I heard that and was like, That's so old-fashioned. That's, <laughs> that's so crazy, right? Like, there can't be any science behind that. And I start looking and I'm like, oh my God, my grandmother was right. So it turns out as we're to fall in love, it is a, it's a, in biology, in, in biochemistry, it's called an enzymatic effect. It means that things build up and until you reach a certain level, and then the enzymatic effect has like a cascading effect. It's kind of like going up a roller coaster, ting, 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 ting. The whole point is that, <laughs> that things build up. And then you get this reaction. And the reaction for us is falling in love. Okay. So for women, it's a combination of dopamine and oxytocin. Mm. And dopamine happens. Both fantastic chemicals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love my dopamine. I just got a little dopamine earlier, popped a couple of chocolates. Yes. <laughs> Um, so it's dopamine and oxytocin. And oxytocin, of course, is the cuddle hormone. We get someone, we kiss and cuddle and pet our pet, our animals. But we get a big dose when we have an orgasm. So if we find somebody that we're really excited about, we get the dopamine. And then if we rush into a sexual relationship, we get a big blast of oxytocin. And we're more likely to fall in love. And that deactivates parts of our brain. The part that we need, I assume? Well, it, the, yes. <laughs> it deactivates one of the, the several major areas that it deactivates. First is the prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking part of the brain. So love does make you dumber. It's temporary, but it makes you dumber. <laughs> Shoot. Then, then the ventral medial prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that judges the other person. Mm. So that's why your friends are going, what are you seeing in the sky? And you're like, what? Isn't he great? You He's know? perfect. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't need a job. I've got one. Right. Oh, <laughs> isn't he? Yes. <laughs> oh, that explains so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. And the other part that it deactivates is the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that sounds the alarm. So even if you notice something, it, it sounds like you would see something go, oh, it's bad, bad, bad. Now it's going, it's bad. And you're like, ah, it didn't feel like it's bad. 
Okay, so every red flag that is being waved right in front of our face, we're not seeing it. No, we're just oh. like, yeah, it's, it's not bad enough. What do you mean? This, he's going to leave his wife. Look. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And everything that you just shared, that brings so much clarity and comfort to women. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's not just me having that bad man picker or, you know, something's not wrong with me. It's just the way we are as humans. It's we're built. Yeah. We're built for that. Mm. It's, and mother nature does this because it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful plan because naturally when I meet a stranger, I, I'm going to be cautious, but when we fall in love, we need to get closer to somebody. And usually this is going to be they, a stranger. We're hoping they are because the stranger they are, the better the genetics. So if we end up having offspring, they're going to have a better combination of genetics. Ah. So, so we're, actually, we're actually attracted to the opposite genetically. Mm. So it, uh, we have a thing called the, um, uh, it's MHC, which is, it's, we can pick it up by the nose. It's part of the immune system. And women can pick it up, and we—they've done studies. We pick it up through men's sweat, so we—it's major histocompatibility complex, and uh, we'll smell a guy, and we're—they just—they did a, a bunch of studies, and the women are attracted to the guy of the most opposite immune system. Interesting. So if you end up having children from that union, they'd have a a, a bigger complex of immune cells or a variety of immune cells. Wow. So which means they'd be healthy. Humans will go on. We yes. will go on as the species. Yes. They're good. Which is mother nature's whole goal. Yes. <laughs> you're having healthier children more likely to survive. Ah, uh, is that why sense of smell is such a big deal when we are courting and dating? Yes, but it's not even smell. It's actually uh, picked up by your nose, but it's not a scent. Interesting. You are full of wisdom. I love it. <laughs> I'm full of it. I don't know what I'm full of. <laughs> okay, so everything you just shared, uh, I love your grandmother's story. Uh, I would really oh, wait, encourage. Oh, I'm not done yet. Oh, you're not done. Oh, keep going. Keep going. Okay, so that's the woman. So the woman's more likely to fall in love with sex. But, <sighs> but how does the man fall in love? Okay. The man falls in love. He doesn't work for oxytocin because testosterone blocks the effects of oxytocin. So there's another chemical that's very structurally similar to oxytocin, it's called vasopressin. And what, what they discovered through uh, vol studies is that for, and their voles are one of the few monogamous species. So what they found with vol studies is that the dopamine increases in the vasopressin increases as the vol is going into falling in love, going into monogamous relationship. So in humans, how does vasopressin increase? You're supposed to ask. How does vasopressin increase in humans? Well, in men, vasopressin increases when he's sexually desirous, mm. but decreases after orgasm. <sighs> Don, this is something <laughs> that I've always wanted to ask you about is... Um, and I want to clarify to make sure I understand vasopressin, that uh, vasopressin is, it holds the interest of a woman. And when they ejaculate, they ejaculate vasopressin, and with that goes the interest of a woman? No, they don't ejaculate the vasopressin. It, um, it just that, it's just like dopamine. And, and dopamine increases when he's attracted to you too. And, and dopamine actually dissipates after satiation, after, okay. after he has an orgasm. Now he's satisfied. And it just, it just drops. You know, it just the, drops. Yeah, it's just the chemical inside of us that drops. So he's okay. not going to actually ejaculate vasopressin. Interesting <laughs> enough, the, uh, the other function of vasopressin is antidiuretic hormone. It has to do with like, it functions with your kidneys. No kidding. Yeah. Which, of course, seems, I mean, it has connection to the penis and the whole urinary tract system, and which is connected to the sexuality system. So it's all kind of interconnected. 
vasopressin is fascinating and I, I love that we're talking through it and you're clarifying that it's, it's just drops. It doesn't, I had this like thing playing out in my head that it was actually leaving the body. I'm like, well, that's why he's not interested anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't leave the body, but it's, it, it's kind of like if you've ever, if you've eaten chocolate, right? Yep. Go through this whole scenario. I've done this, you eat chocolate, you kind of feel good after a while. And then after a while, a couple hours later, it's, you don't have that feeling anymore. It just kind of dissipates. It's the same type of effect. Now, as long as he's desirous of a woman, the vasopressin keeps increasing. Okay. And, and it's a particular woman. So here's the interesting part. He can go have sex over here all day long, but if he's still desirous of this other woman, he can still fall in love with that woman, even if he's having sex with somebody else. That is fascinating to me. So if he's off playing over here with all these women and his vasopressin levels are dropping, and then he comes back to the woman that he is really desiring and is attracted to, does it just immediately spike back up when it's they're together? It's building up, it's still building up. So it, it, it's a combination of vasopressin and dopamine. So I think at that point, the, the vasopressin's increasing and his dopamine's going up and down according to like having sex. Because mm. the dopamine will, it's called the Coolidge effect. Oh. It's called the Coolidge effect. So the Coolidge effect is based on President Calvich Coolidge. <laughs> President Calvich Coolidge was on a trip to a chicken farm and he had his wife with him and he's going through this chicken farm and he sees this rooster and this rooster's like getting really amorous with this hen. And the, his wife goes up to the attendant. She's like, what is that rooster doing? He goes, well, they, he's like that all the time. She goes, is he like that all the time? She goes, yeah, every day. And she says, the, the attendant says, yes, ma'am. She goes, you have to tell President Coolidge that. So the attendant goes back to President Coolidge and he goes, President Coolidge, your wife wanted me to show you this rooster. This rooster's, you know, being quite amorous with this hen. And he says, I see, son. Is he like that every day? And he goes, yes, sir. All day, every day. And he goes, ah, now let me ask you one more question, son. Is it the same old hen every day? And the attendant says, no, sir. It's a new hen every day. And he goes, now run back and tell Mrs. Coolidge that. <laughs> <laughs> and that became known as the Coolidge effect because every time he'd get amorous with a hen, it would go up with the dopamine. He'd get satisfied to go back down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And we see that. But the, the difference is when a man's falling in love, the dopamine's going up and the vasopressin is both going up. Mm. So then it's, it's, a, it's a matter of desire. Okay. So it stays desirous for a woman long enough, it increases to the point of the tipping point and then he falls in love. And then the same thing happens to him. All the deactivation of the brain happens, prefrontal cortex, he can't see her anymore. You know, you know he loses the judgment. His friends are going, what are you doing? She's a stripper. <laughs> yes, she keyed your car and bust out your windows what are you doing exactly but i love her <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so does the dopamine that's the thing that's keeping the vasopressin going it's and then they just feed off of each other or is that is dopamine really the leader in the in the men's I, I don't know which would be really first. I mean, dopamine is excitement and vasopressin is sexual desire. Mm. So he, the crazy, well, the crazy, the really crazy part is a lot of men, particularly younger men, fall in love with the crazy women in the beginning. And that mm. the, the dopamine is get, the excitement part is that's what's really getting activated. So in that particular case, if you fall in love with the crazy one, the dopamine's the winner. You fall in love with the slutty one, the vasopressin just won. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm shaking my head right now. You just made my mind blown. I mean, like you just explained so many scenarios. It's like this this woman is horrible. And they're like, I know, but she's amazing. You <laughs> exactly. made sense of everything. Oh my goodness. Wow. Mm. And it's the same thing with women. That's why I was going after the biker. It's the excitement. The other guys are so boring. It wasn't doing it for me. The, the nice guy was just like, 
Exactly. I mean, I'm a biologist. I'm bored enough. Why am I? <laughs> I'm looking at data and microscopes all day. Exactly. I need some action here, guys. Exactly. I'm ripping off this lab coat, baby. <laughs> <laughs> You really are so gorgeous in your lab coat. I have your um, your book here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're stunning. <laughs> oh my goodness. Again, that body of research is, it's huge. I mean, obviously, Ted, you know, Ted Talk wanted you on because it is revolutionary, really. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've got a lot of response from that. It's, it's really gratifying to... Uh, get emails and responses from girls that are like, thank you for this information. It's really helped me, you know, when they're, when they're first starting to date and stuff. So they've got that top of mind and they're not going to like rush into a relationship. Right. And a big thank you from me because I learned so much from your book and being a dating coach, I have used so much of your research mm -hmm. And so thank you. You have helped so many women in my life. And I, I talk about you on my very, very first podcast. It's um, how to get over him after sex. And I cite your work in it because it's been so impactful. So thank you so much. You've helped my love life. I mean, I definitely, I, I'm different in my love life because of your research. And in turn, I've shared it with my clients and my listeners. So from the bottom oh. of my heart, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Oh. Okay, so I want to take you back to your TED Talk. And okay. I, I, I want to go back to your grandmother's story because um, I love that story. And I hope that all the listeners will go and watch your TED Talk because the way you tell it, it's so sweet. You can just, <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting at the like, kitchen table with you guys. <laughs> so your grandmother, as you shared moments ago, she gave you very... Uh, very direct uh, guidance when it comes to dating and falling in love. And she's like, ladies, you got to wait. Exactly. You got to wait. So my question to you is, my burning question is, in a time where women are sexually liberated and we are out, a lot of us are out living our best lives and sex now is, for women, it's it's becoming, sounds so silly coming out of my mouth, but it's mainstream and it's not as taboo. And sure. the female orgasm, I mean, that's like a buzzword right now. The female orgasm, everybody's talking about it, writing books about it. And there's so much. And so women are free to have sex with who we want to, how we want to. We are, like I said, we're living our best lives out here. Sure. So Don, how does a woman that's, feels comfortable having sex, is enjoying her body and everything, how does she go out and date and still be sexually satisfied, but adhere to your grandmother's words of wisdom? <laughs> That's a challenge. That's a challenge. I think I, the whole point is you've got to decide what you want. Mm. What you really want, what's the most important. If you want to go have sex, if, you, if the orgasm is most important, if that's what you really want, go for it. If you want love in a long-lasting relationship, then that's a different play. So it's, so it, so it's, it's just a, it's what, it's what you really want, what is important in your life. So here's the other thing. There, there are some troubles sometimes for people to fall in love. Okay. So what the research found is, remember we talked about the amygdala, that sounds the alarm. If a woman has had past trauma, a divorce, trauma in her childhood, and everybody's had it, you know, it could be, it could be as simple as being snubbed in high school. You know, the, the broken heart was so traumatic and that, that high school crush. Whatever it was, what, if that has an effect on the brain where it increases the amygdala, then the amygdala is more likely to sound the alarm, which makes it tougher to her to get close to somebody. Mm. So that type of person actually does better with just a sexual relationship. Interesting. Because but, they're not getting that 
their their guard is up, their wall is up, exactly. so they're not emotionally invested. Their heart isn't on the line as much. Yeah, so they're not really even going to be able to. Wow. Mm. And so those are the ones that, I mean, that's perfect. You want a sexual relationship? We will we, see that oftentimes with, um, or with older women with younger guys because it's like the perfect scenario, especially um, I've had a couple clients that were uh, divorced. They were hurt and divorced and they really, they were not going to put their heart on the line again, but they wanted to have a sexual relationship. So they had a younger guy. Now the younger guy is in the same boat. He's not ready to commit. So he's like, I'm going to have sex and she's going to have sex and they're going to have, they have a wonderful relationship. It's not a love relationship, but it's a wonderful relationship. I love that. And then with the sexual peaks of the, the older woman being nice and high and the younger man, they're like the, they're like perfect together at that point. Exactly. Wow. Oh my goodness. You continue to blow me away. <laughs> Let's go back to grandma real quick, though. Yes. One of the things she said was, and I'm like, how do you know? She goes, you don't have sex until he falls in love. I'm like, well, how do I know when he falls in love? And she said, you know he's in love when he commits. Mm. So the next question is, well, what does commitment have to do? What, what effect does commitment have on a man? So they did a study, and it was interesting. They did a 20-year study, and they were following all these servicemen. And they weren't, they weren't really doing the study. They were just collecting data. And in the data, they realized that his um, biochemistry fluctuated. His, his testosterone and some of his neurotransmitters fluctuated according to his relationship status. And it became predictive. They could tell when a man was going to get a divorce before his wife even did. Whoa. <laughs> because of what was happening to his, his uh, neurotransmitters. So they did two studies out of Harvard to support this, and they found that there is definitely a pattern. So one of the big factors in, in that pattern is testosterone. That's what I talk about in the talk, is that testosterone drops when he commit. Now remember, I told you, testosterone blocks oxytocin, right? So when it drops, guess what happens? Mm. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone. Now he bonds. The other thing that happens, and this is, this is where it can be a little bit dangerous, and this is important for women to know, when the oxytocin happens, he becomes more of a cuddler. So if, let's say you had that big, strong biker guy, he's going to get a little soft. Now in the past, I would, sometimes I've had women, and I did it myself, lose respect. Like, what's that? You're Mr. Softy now, you know? Yeah. But you have to appreciate that. He's in love with you now. He's softening up. That's a sign. Yes. Oh, I love that. I'm going to segue a little bit because I just, I want to ask you a question about oxytocin. Oxytocin really can make women a little crazy. Oh yeah. And so I, I started calling it the oxytocin crazies and I condensed it to the oxys. And so like, I'll just joke with my clients, my friends. It's like, oh, honey, you're not crazy. You just have the oxys right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, would, you, would you say that women do get a little? So it depends what, what's happening or where they're at in that spectrum of what's hap what the oxytocin is doing. So if you're, if you're in the beginning and you're in a sexual relationship, but you're really want to be in a regular, re in a love relationship, that oxytocin is going to play with you and it's going to make you insane. That's what's going to make you, you're going to be like hanging out his back window, rattling around his garbage cans. You're like, <laughs> he's going to be calling at like, you know, 12, 11 o'clock going, can I come over? And you're like, yes, even though you know better, you know, that's what oxytocin does to you. You're like totally bonded. You're breaking them out of prison like that lady did in uh, New York. <laughs> oh, I could just see you watching the news and going, oh, the oxytocin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know what happened. I know that one. <laughs> so I'm very familiar with oxytocin being a woman. I've experienced it <laughs> firsthand. I'm curious, do guys get the, what I call the oxys, the oxytocin crazies too? Not, not necessarily. 
they have a whole other they have a whole other thing so they they get crazy they they get crazy with a thing called cockaldry ooh <laughs> you know what cockaldry is it's not a hormone it's a it's a it's a uh, cockaldry is a fear and it's a fear of the cheating spouse so it, uh, oftentimes what happens with a guy is that once he once he commits his testosterone drops so here's the big deal when you're full when you're fully fortified with testosterone you're like strong like bull right yeah. and then it drops you feel weaker so now she may go off with some stronger guy and then he gets all crazy because he's like he's fearing the it's being poached meaning that somebody else is going to take her away now, women can sometimes use that to their advantage, where if he hasn't committed yet, then you're like, well, you know, there's some other people out here. Right. <laughs> if you're not ready, he, he might be. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so one more time. Tell me what that is, because... It's, it's called cockaldry. It's the fear of the cheating spouse. Oh, my gosh. That is fascinating. And it's based on, there's a bird called a cuckoo. And what they do, instead of building their own nests, they lay their eggs in another bird's nest. And then that bird ends up raising their young. So the, it's oh. the... <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty savage. Yeah. So it's the fear of raising somebody else's young. So a man can't ever tell, you know if you have a child. He's right. not sure. Right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That bird, that bird has got guts. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And it's bigger than the other bird that lays in a nest. So it's like, it takes all the food and the other bird ends up not, you know, the other ones can die because they don't get enough food. Wow. They're actual, they're actual uh, children because they're feeding this big other thing. It, it's fascinating to me, all these different components and like I said, I was joking about the the nightly news and how comical it must be and interesting it must be for you to watch. But as as you being a researcher and having so much wisdom and knowledge, is it fascinating being out in the world and to be able to be like, oh, that's what's happening here. Oh, the oh, and he's doing this and she's doing that. Yeah, I mean, it can be fun. It can be frustrating too because you're like. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't text him. Stop. <laughs> You're like watching people like the moth to the flame. No, go and look away from the light. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, okay. So when you were doing your research, mm -hmm. what was the most mind-blowing discovery that you had that you just were like, oh my gosh, I, I, I whoa. Well, I, I mean, the really, the, the insanity part of falling in love was really interesting. And I've done some talks on this and I've taken actually like jello brains and chopped them up to show what happens to your brain when you fall in love. <laughs> this is your brain. This is your brain on love. <laughs> that's, and that's really fun. Um, but the one thing that's really cool for me and what I'm working on is, um, as I said, I can, I'm developing a test to sh to, that can show if a man is in love and committed to a woman. Are you so, serious? Yeah, we can, we can ch now check his saliva and instantly know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna build a statue in your honor, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, not out yet. It's not out. I'm still working on it. If you want to spit in a tube, I can test it right now. But I have to. We have to wait for the instant test. We're in. We're in um, development. I have never heard that before. That is groundbreaking. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, uh, I'm. I'm just blown away by you. You are so <laughs> impressive. So this, one day, one day, this is going to happen. Come on, baby, let's have sex. And she's going. But do you love me? Oh yeah, I do love you. <laughs> I could just see that playing out, and I'm sure you have too. Just the woman be like, "Oh, you do love me." Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Or you're still in pursuit. You go. Right. 
back next week. We'll try again. Right. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait for the day that I walk into Walgreens and I see that test sitting there. You and me too. <laughs> the champagne will be flowing that night. <laughs> but really it's, and you know, there's the, the part of the test that it's feeling out our partner and everything, mm -hmm. but I think it's also going to be good too for people who are caught up in the, in the feels and all the emotions and they, some people get in denial because of past trauma and past breakups. And then mm -hmm. they, they're in love, but they just deny it, uh, you know, as a, a way to protect themselves. And there's some people that are just so like, Oh, I don't really know. And oh, I, I don't know. And, you know, can maybe aren't really seeing themselves or in touch with themselves. So having this test will be so nice to have something concrete to be like, I actually love him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only for the man. Oh, it's only for the man. Oh, yes. okay. I don't know why, but that just gives me so much pleasure. <laughs> and knowing it's just for the man, it's kind of like, it's kind of having the upper hand. You know, it's the way mother nature set it up. I can, I can't test that in a woman. She because yep. women choose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we are unfortunately hormonally unstable. <laughs> we fluctuate way too much. Oh, right. So men are, men are more steady and predictable. Which is a beautiful thing. And going back to your point of we're attracted to our opposites and Mm -hmm. Mother Nature, she knows what she's doing. Oh yeah, oh I I I love researching it because it's just so funny. I you find something new and you're like, oh you wily old broad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like uh, yeah, if I knew there was something going on over there, I just didn't know what it was. <laughs> exactly, I see what you did there. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you are creating this test right now and. Tell me where, tell me more about it. I'm just so fascinated. I'm just hanging on your every words. Well, it's a lateral flow assay similar to a pregnancy test. We're actually patent pending right now. And we've got a company that's working on development. Wow. So basically, it's going to be a saliva test. You saturate a piece of fabric with saliva and then it runs through the test, kind of like a pregnancy test where the, the fluid moves along the strip and it has a reaction. and um, we have a digital, we'll have a digital readout. So it's either going to be like maybe a heart, like he loves you and then, or a running man, like he's still in pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I was going to say either a heart or like the crying emoji, but <laughs> I think, I think I'm going with you with the running away there, the running towards. I love that. Oh my goodness. So the tentative name is like pursuit indicator. So is the guy still in pursuit or is he committed? Oh, I love that. Oh my goodness. So um, when is this going to hit the shelves? Do you have any idea? I'm hoping uh, early next year, 2020. Oh, my goodness. You can see clearly in 2020. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to pre-order a box. Just, <laughs> mark me down for a case. Okay. <laughs> I don't need a case of Girl Scout cookies. I need a case of the, the pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's a dating coach. They're perfect. I've had actually had several therapists, uh, uh, marriage counselors that said they would like some just because one of the questions, you've been in a relationship for a while. By the way, that whole falling in love we talked about with the craziness of the brain, it's temporary. So about two years, your brain comes back. And when your brain comes back, so does all those things that just shut down. So critical judgment that you had lost returns. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't eat right anymore. And he smacks his lips. And he snores. And you didn't notice it before. And boy, does he stink now. All those things. And she didn't, isn't as pretty as she was. And what happened? You know, now she doesn't work. What happened to all that makeup and all that prettiness that she was? All that you haven't gotten out your sweatpants in four and a half months. Exactly. Why are you nagging me so much? 
all of that returns and the amygdala returns. So when you notice something, it drives you crazy because it's going beep, beep, beep. Oh, my goodness. And that's two years, you said? Yeah, it comes back in two years, oh, roughly. Wow. So that's, you know, it could be that, that uh, one year for some people and three years for another. So is that why divorce rates are so high in the third year? The divorce rate, actually, the, the person who, uh, Dr. Helen Fisher, who did the study, uh, original study on it, found that the divorce rate is highest at the two-year mark. Because of, oh my goodness. Shout out to Dr. Helen Fisher. She <laughs> is amazing. I, oh my goodness. You two together are this amazing powerhouse of, and wealth of love and sexual knowledge. It's amazing. <laughs> so divorce rate at two years because our rational brain comes back on track and we see everything. Oh my goodness. So, so the, the point of the, the, that conversation is that after a while, doubt kicks in. You know, so she, it, it, it seems like, well, he doesn't really love me anymore. So the marriage counselors are like, well, this would be a great test. So yes, he still loves you. He's still committed to you. So let's now let's have a conversation. Let's get rid of that nagging doubt that because that's part of that nagging doubt in women can kill the relationship because they're all now they're testing. Do you really love me? Who's that? Who's calling? Who's, you know, who are you looking at on Facebook? Why are you looking at Melania Trump? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So it's going to bring some peacefulness, some reassurance to some couples and mm -hmm. to some hearts. And I'm sure one, some women will be buying multiple cases too. So every like two weeks, do you still love me? Still? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I showed it to an investor. I did a pitch thing for in an investor and he said that the, the test would cost him six million dollars so it kind of told me a little bit about what he was doing <laughs> yep read between the lines with that one <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness i'm gonna send the first one to his wife <laughs> oh that's great this is free of charge <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is, that is so amazing. And, and also just macrocosm where we are in the world. It is so astonishing that we have this type of research that we have access to think, thanks to you, that that's going to be on the shelf at Costco and at Target is fascinating. It's been really fun. The other thing we found in order to make this test, we had to quantify testosterone in a, in a strip. So that's the other product that we're putting out there. So like if you, if you're a guy and you have, you're wondering if you have low T, you can do this test. You can send away for it, comfort of your own home. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to do a blood test. Or if you're working out, a lot of times the guys want to know if their testosterone, what's the level is. And it, I did some more research where um, we did testosterone before and after a workout and we're seeing like a 20% increase, which is an indication of a good workout. But if it drops, it indicates that you may be actually doing more damage than, uh, than building. Wow. Very that, interesting being in Colorado and I'm in the, the fittest state in the, in the country. And so, I mean, my, my neighbors are triathletes. Really, everybody's an athlete here in Colorado. Yeah. That is really interesting. So you can help people really, not only does testosterone, you know, give us so many benefits, but this test will really keep people safer and healthier so that you're protecting them from overtraining. Yes. Absolutely. Hmm. Gosh, I feel like we just need to put a cape on you and just <laughs> give you the key to the city and... Oh my goodness. So is this test in the, um, the testosterone, this is your passion and your focus right now. Correct. Yes. I started a uh, new company. We we're still in, in pre-launch, but it's going to be called Biggie Bioscience. We actually do have the website, but it's not quite up yet. Um, and we're, like I said, we're working on the different types of tests. So we're, 
we're going to do like the instant test and then we're going to try we're creating one where if you're doing workouts um you can track your testosterone like you can use your iphone and be able to track it over time and see what it is during the day help if it fluctuates which is a good indicator it can tell you a lot like when is the best time to have sex when your mm -hmm. libido is going to be the highest mm -hmm. <laughs> all those kind of good things <laughs> Well, like I said, just sign me up for a case of whatever you have going on and <laughs> I want it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. And I love you. Any, any, oh, thank you. Any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? Well, one of the things that I found when I wrote that book, I wanted to know about like long-term love. So here's the really cool part. Once you have all that crazy insanity and all that kind of stuff, and then it, your brain comes back, we see a change in love. We saw the love back here in the, in the first couple of years, and then the love moves to the front of the brain where the prefrontal cortex is, which was offline for a while. And it actually shares neural connections with things like your morals and ethics. Whoa. Brotherly love, maternal love, uh, uh, you know, parental love, other types of love, um, altruistic love is the word I was looking for. So it, it, it basically sh makes you, while you're doing that, it makes you a better person because it's firing all those other neurotransmitters at the same time. So the long-term love is like this beautiful, the best place you can ever get to. And the interesting part is if a female in long-term love lives 50% longer than her single counterpart. Really? Yes. Oh, I just but got a, chills. But a man, a man in long-term love lives 250% longer than his single counterpart. So the best thing a man can do for his, for his life in general is to find a long-term love. You hear that, gentlemen? <laughs> whoa that's that is beautiful and the way that you described it it's it seems like love it's it shifts into something more mature something deeper something it does and it feels different so the the first love we see activity in the brain almost like cocaine mm, yeah we see that, that makes sense we see the same similar thing but in long-term love, we see activity in the opioid receptors. So that's why the, the beginning love, you feel crazy. And in long-term love, you're like relaxed and more satisfied. The opioid is kind of, it's like, it's like falling in love is like a cocaine addict in a long-term love's like a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> We're addicts nonetheless. <laughs> No matter what we're, what kind of love stage we're in, we're addicts. Exactly. It's an addiction. Oh my goodness. Oh, that, gosh. But it, it has a pain relieving effect. It, it, it numbs some receptors, some... Well, it, you could say it that way, but I'd like to say a pain relieving effect. Okay, <laughs> where, I like that. I like yeah, that. It's more like... Um, you can withstand the uh, ups and downs of life better when you're in a long-term relationship. Oh, I love that. Oh, so you're a little more consistent and not as up and down roller coaster. And things don't hurt you as much because there is a pain relieving effect. If, if you have too much pain relieving effect, I think it's numbing, but a little bit of pain relieving effect just means you're, you're not as as hurt by things. You can weather things easy. So that's why, you know, the, the pair bond that people can go through life and they seem like they're uh, travel it so much easier than mm. single people. And again, it's beautiful that we have science that backs up the feelings that we experience. Exactly. Exactly. I was, I, I was going through this whole thing and I was like, oh, this is that, you know, you know it, but then, then you're able to like put research behind it and you're able to go, there it is. And this is why. Oh, how satisfying is that? It, it is. It's completely satisfying. It was so much fun reading that book. Oh, 
And thank you for writing these books. You are, you are amazing. And again, thank you for everything that you've done for my life and that you have done for my listeners and my clients. Um, can you please share how everyone can get in touch with you, how they can, they can buy your books, they can see your TED Talk, all that good stuff? Well, my, actually, my website's down, so don't go to that. It's okay. not mine anymore. You got hijacked. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. go for ransom. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I'm on Facebook under my name, Dawn Masler, M-A-S-L-A-R. Um, the books are on Amazon and or... I, Barnes and Noble, they don't have them anymore because it's been a couple of years since they came out. And then the TED Talk is you Google my name, TEDx Dawn Masler, and it shows up how your brain fell in love. How, how you your love. brain fell in how love. Your, how your brain falls in love. Oh my gosh. I love that title. Oh, it's not always about the heart, right? It's not always about no, the heart. No. It really doesn't have that much to do with it, which is good because if you had a heart transplant, does that mean you don't love the person you've been married to? Oh, there you go. Oh my goodness, Don. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I had such a great time. And you, uh, I, like I said, I am a huge fan and am forever grateful for you. And thank you so much for your time and for being here and imparting your wisdom on us and making the world a more loving place. Thank you. We got to do lunch when I get out to Denver next time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. All of right. course. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to thank my listeners for showing up today and listening to this episode of the Game of Love podcast. Follow Dawn on Facebook and go buy her books. It will change your life. Um, and again, thank you for listening. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And until next time, get out there and love each other. <laughs>